the only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. She said that every living creature on Earth dies alone. Hey. It's bad dog Hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. I'm not The more you know who you are and what you want, the less you know. Things upset you. I've had a rough year, Dad. You want an unwritten life? I want an unwritten life. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be. I think you just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. Boring conversation anyway. Containers with a filter in it. Uh -huh. And I keep it in my room now so that when I'm working, I'm trying to force myself to drink more water because I'm like permanently dehydrated. What mic are you using right now? My... Uh, Snowball, is it not working? I don't think it is. All right, hold it on. It doesn't sound like you usually sound. You sound like very fuzzy. Is that any better? Is that nope. any better? Nope. Shit. Shit. How about now? That's be That's perfect. Okay. It wasn't plugged all the way into the back of the microphone. Um. Which sucks because now I think that what I recorded yesterday with Jacob probably sounds terrible. So So there was a quiz at work and it's a Spider Man themed quiz. It's like employee appreciation thing. And they asked, How does Spider Man shoot his webs? <laughs> and there's multiple options. What is the real answer? Like, if you're just talking generally about Spider-Man, what's the real answer? I mean, my it it, it really is based on your age, though. Okay, my, my vomit, real answer vomit, is vomit, vomit, vomit. Go. My real answer is web shooters, cartridges. So yeah, yeah. So the the answer that was correct uh, on this quiz is organically from special openings in his wrist. And that just makes me want to call somebody. I ended up getting a low score on this quiz because of that question. I want to write the editor. I mean, you should. That's well, bull, total bullshit. That's so okay. you get credit for just participating, so I'm not gonna worry about it. But <laughs> I'm definitely like my nerd. My my Peter Tingle is going off. <laughs> so since you brought it up, we can talk about it briefly. And I guess spoilers for No Way Home, um, which even the Marvel marketing is spoiling the movie now. So I feel like if you didn't see it, well, even Disney and Marvel are like, well, fuck you. <laughs> we got everybody else's money. <laughs> Sorry, Jacob. I know you haven't seen it yet. Oh, because he's got the baby, right? Yeah, he just hasn't been able to make the time. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, oh, what guy. did you think? I loved it. Yeah, no, emotionally satisfying. I've I've been listening finally, like, you know, I, I don't know if you do this. I know you at least used to. But once you see a movie, you go through your podcast rotation of people talking about the thing you've seen, you know. Yeah. And so I've heard 
a very good reaction. Everyone's had good reactions that I've listened to so far, but they've also had like thoughtful nitpicks and things like that. And I've listened and I've been like, yeah, but like I cried during that moment. And yeah, but I was laughing during that moment. Like, so everything worked on me. So I'm like, anything that could be really a problem, I think has a yes, but I laughed or cried or it worked on me anyway. And so I, I think I'm in a very happy, happy place with it. My only concern is literally like, if you please, I wish they would do another one with Holland. I wish Holland would do another one um, because it feels like they could easily just not right now. And they could like, they could do another Garfield one if they wanted to, which is kind of what a lot of people keep saying. Um, and they could do different things. And that's all sounds good and well. And I don't mind that. But I, I do think Holland is the best version of Ultimate Spider-Man, which is probably really my favorite Spider-Man, if I'm honest with myself. And, like, he really gets to the core of, like, young Peter in this generation. I really like him, and I don't want him to stop being Spider-Man, but I can't hold it against him if he doesn't. You know what I mean? So I'm, like, in a weird place where I'm, like, this seems like a really good out for him, and I really don't like that. And that's that's the place I would be at, is I really liked it, but I have now, I'm, like, oh, it feels like the end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. The problems i wound up having with the movie after like seeing it twice and thinking on it for several for a couple of weeks now are the same problems i have with infinity war Endgame, and a few other marvel things. oh this is your bad guy so, thing i can yeah. hear it oh. it's just the the, the larger world impact doesn't ever seem to be considered and Do I you did ever it. feel that way reading comics? See, that's I was going. That's exactly where I was going. I get it because in comics, that is not ever the case either. Like your, your focus is really on those characters, and you don't think about the larger world impact. I don't know why it's different in movies where I'm just like, but what about all those people? <laughs> And in comics, I'm just like, uh, I mean, there's only like 10,000 people in New York City. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I, I, oh, don't, I don't know why it's like that. But like after the second viewing, for whatever reason, it started bothering me it, that like, I don't know, it seems. Well, maybe in fairness to Peter, he was. Iron Man was his father figure, so much like Tony, his actions seem very selfish and self-centered, <laughs> despite him claiming them to be noble. So, yeah, I think Peter doesn't bother me. His immaturity is sort of over, and his like franticness, like that's kind of his charm. So I'm I'm not really worried about his mistakes. Doctor Strange, on the other hand, you know, he didn't really have to do anything that he did. Yeah, it, and it, was, it seemed it, a little ego with Wong and the Sorcerer Supreme thing, you know? Yeah, I'd see, and I thought that way too, and I was like, oh, so this explains why he's kind of acting this way, because, like, he got his title stripped from him, he is egotistical, and so now he's just like, oh yeah, well, I'll show you, I'm gonna do this. Like, he's acting very petulant and childish and, you know. So, so but, you've still not watched What If, correct? No, um, okay. I'm go I'm on vacation this week. I'm going to try to watch it. 
I'll try to watch it this week too, so we can because I have not seen it either. Um, but I do know a couple things, and the multiverse of madness has a character in the trailer that's also in What If, um, and so I'm very curious if you end up being so right that they've made an entire movie about how right you are. <laughs> Because, like, you're not often right about this bad guy thing, but I think you might be right about Doctor Strange. <laughs> and I think they may have literally made a whole movie about how right you are. <laughs> that is the greatest statement ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's accurate. Like, have you, you've seen the trailer. You kind of get yeah. a sense of it. And I don't and I don't know what that character's deal in the, the What If series is, but I know it's, like, a... A bigger like he's a it's a role and i don't know if it's one episode or an arc uh for him but but the the dark strange or whatever they call him um is like i know it's a thing and so i'm wondering if that's a crossover and sort of tying it all together and making it so that the what if cartoon is now an or animated series as an essential viewing now and so i think it's coming and anyway i think you're right about him but not Peter. Peter's just an immature kid, and that's kind of the, always been the fun about Peter. So I'm not really concerned about uh, immaturity because I think his – the ending – I think if he had given the letter or read the letter or read the speech or whatever to uh, MJ, if he had kind of broken their minds by being like, I am this person who's been erased from your existence, that would have been the selfish choice at the end. But I think at the end he learned, he matured enough to understand that what he wants to do isn't as simple as doing what he wants to do. And so I think Peter's journey, growth journey over three films makes me not resent any of his choices, but understand them and see how he's grown from them by the very end, which is very sad and heart-wrenching for me. Again, it worked for me. Um, but Doctor Strange, he's he's kind of always been a jerk, <laughs> and he might always be one until the end of Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I I had a similar conversation with my sister. It's funny I was talking about this at the comic book store with Pat uh, just the just Sunday, um, and, or Saturday, and uh, this uh, uh, I don't want to say woman because she was a lot younger than me, so I, I'm just gonna say girl and don't take it derogative derogative. But this girl like chimed in. We were talking about Doctor Strange, and she was like, "But he's supposed to be a jerk." I was like, "That's what I told my sister." She was like, "He's such an asshole." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> like, he is an asshole." <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. He's worse than Tony in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, so, is he really? Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was, and it kind of was always that way in the books. Like it was very much. Like Stark and Strange were both kind of Lee and Ditko, and uh, I don't remember if Kirby was the artist on um, Iron Man or not. But like them going, like, can we make a not likable character a hero? And that—that's what they did. So, hmm. Cumberbatch is so know that. good, though. No, I agree. He's so much fun. Um, and he's like, I don't know, I think he's having fun making these movies, and I don't think that makes for a great performance, but I do think it makes for a fun on-screen presence. It's sort of like by Ocean's 13, though that's not a movie that I love, but like those dudes are all just having so much fun, and that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. That's how um, I feel about him in these movies. And it, I'm, I'm assuming that the check is big enough that he then gets to do things like go make a 
campion movie <laughs> about the West that is in, kind of in New Zealand so they can avoid COVID for six months. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of meandering and uh, depressing. It is not meandering <laughs> at all. It is totally laser focused on what it's doing at all times. Um, <laughs> so, so you liked Power of the Dog? Yes, I did. I very much so. It is a, it's, um, I really liked, and I think it's what you are not responding well to the exploration of toxic masculinity, um, and all of its different facets and sort of how that can spill out upon oneself, but all the people around you. And I think we've all met a, um, a guy like Cumberbatch's character in real life before, and probably you and me have hated that person, whoever it was. Well, it's interesting because, like, there, there, as far as I got into it, um, there are some points where I'm like, well, he's not really wrong. It's just that his approach is so toxic. <laughs> like, there are better ways to talk about these things. <laughs> You know? Well, I think that's like the same as like Hoosier's dad throwing the basketball at the kid. Sure, the basketball needs to practice. The kid needs to practice more and he can be a star and needs to work really hard and all that stuff. But you don't throw the basketball at your kid's head, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it's he's just he's so unlikable in that movie. I was having such a difficult time. I was like, somebody needs to murder this guy. <laughs> but that is what is so to me so great about his performance because he's just never done it before. And he's so good at it. Like he is so good at being that guy and being so hateful and not charming. And even when he's being his version of like not charming, but like jokey or whatever, he's just still such a jerk at all times. It's such a good performance. Um, but he's got um, there's so many layers behind his anger and things that have created that person over the years. And uh I just love all of that. I think Cumberbatch is great. I love Jesse Plemons. He's just been one of those guys who's from break. For me, he started with Breaking Bad. He was a small, or, you know, important character in Breaking Bad. Um, but I, a lot of people came to him Friday through, Night Live, Friday, which I just recently watched. Like last year, we watched that, so I have like the whole context <laughs> for him. And it's just amazing how far he has come, both as a, you know, I guess celebrity, but as a as a performer, because he's very good in Friday Night Lights. But he really is just like he inhabits people so differently now on screen. And he's just so good in this role. Um, I love him being the opposite of of Cumberbatch as brothers. The, the, they don't look like brothers at all, I think, is one thing. I think Kyle Pinion sort of had like a great one line joke in his review of the movie about how like they're the most unlikely looking brothers of all time. <laughs> but the but the performance is so good from both of them and they're such opposite ends of, of a spectrum of masculinity. Um and um and then they have this whole thing. So um so I can we spoil it, can I just talk about spoilers on Power of the Dog? You cool with that? I don't care. I I honestly almost texted you and said, if you do not tell me that there is something cathartic at the end of this movie, I am not going to finish it. <laughs> but you're not so, going to finish it, right? You stopped it, right? Uh, yeah, I may go back. If you tell okay. me something is worth going back to to see, even if you tell me what it is, I'll, I might go back. So I don't care if you spoil so, it. So. 
So I will say, so this is what I'll say, which is not about the ending. It's more about the middle and beyond when there's confirmation. But um, so the thing about them being on opposite ends of the spectrum of masculinity that I love so much is that um, as that Cumberbatch is on like sort of the alpha end and, and um, Clemens is on like the beta end. Right. But Clemens is a straight male and uh, Cumberbatch is a gay male. And I like that there is this sort of inversion that takes away like sexuality as a defining feature for which part of the spectrum you end on because the alpha mean, horrible person is a gay guy. Um, and, and the, this kind of sweet little guy who gets knocked around verbally and mentally and emotionally, uh, is, is the straight guy. And it's something that's so different. It's usually portrayed so differently, you know? Um, and I really like that they're exploring masculinity within the spectrum where some of the things we're used to on screen being so subverted. It's just so fascinating to watch. So I didn't get far enough to know that he was like definitely gay, but I yep. did get far enough for it to be like, cause I, I thought he was going to make a play for his brother's girl and uh which i texted you i was like oh god he's gonna sleep with her isn't he this is horrible um katie and was then, sure because katie watched it with me and she was sure at that point that around where you were at that there that she was like you need to find out if there's a sexual assault in this because like it feels like that's coming yeah. um and i was like i already i already knew this part of it and i was like yeah that's not coming I already knew that that was not like that. The one thing I knew about it was that he was closeted in some fashion. And yeah. I was like, I said, I said, Katie, maybe violence, but not sexual violence. That's not where we're going. And that's well, not I, where I got to the, the kid, um, him chasing that kid off and then mm -hmm. like approaching him later. And then like, we got off on the wrong foot. Let me, I was like, Oh, okay. So his part of his problem is that he's, gay and he can't but of course times being what they were like you you can't so he only, like he he has only had this. bronco henry or whatever yeah. who was like 20 if you do them because you get shows like his at some point you see his like his death date and so and you know kind of what year it is you're in so it's been like 20 years or so since he's had anyone he could be open with right that's so crazy and so sad and so, and it doesn't make him necessarily sympathetic, but at least more nuanced and then more interesting. Um, and I will say that there is a comeuppance at the end of the movie. Um, and yeah. I think, and I don't know, I don't think I would want to spoil that really if you haven't seen it. Um, if you have any interest in seeing it, and there is a comeuppance and it is really good. It makes you look at a lot of stuff uh, differently um, and becomes kind of, the movie itself stays the same, but a lot of stuff you can look at and go, oh, wait a second. Was this happening? Like, was this the plan from the opening voiceover? <laughs> like, it's it's very interesting. Okay. Uh, I, in that case, I, I'll probably finish it at some point. If not today, some point this week. Um, yeah. Because even, like, as I was realizing, like, oh, okay, so that kind of uh, not <laughs> – not excuses, but explains what's going on with his character and why there's so much like just anger and animosity and just bitterness. And, but like at the same time, that still doesn't make it okay. And somebody needs to knock this dude down. So, yeah. And I, I definitely, I really liked how 
the, the betrayal being rather than, oh, he's getting married, was more that he lost his brother who was the only man he could share a room with. Like, if you think about it on, like, its base level, it's like he had somebody he could share who was a man who he could share his life with, even if it was platonically. Yeah. And and he lost that. And, like, it's, so there's things where I'm like, I don't think he's a good person. I think he has been broken by his circumstances and choices into being this bad person. But the choices and the things that he did, the things he cared about, the things he obviously was attached to, it was so it's so powerful because for me, because he was so broken, he wasn't just a bad guy, right? Like he just wasn't just a, a heel. And 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 that made him and that performance so interesting. And I've always liked Cumberbatch to a degree. Like I like the Sherlock show a lot. It's very fun. I like it. We've just talked about Doctor Strange. Um and but he um but some things he does like the imitation game like is fine. It's like whatever. Um when he steps out of that kind of big showy Marvel slash Sherlock role, it's always been not exciting that, that he did the Julian Assange movie, which is not a very great movie, and he's okayish in. Um, but this, I was like, wow, Cumberbatch is doing like layers. He's an onion. <laughs> <to quote Shrek. laughs> I really liked that. I really liked that a lot, and I thought it was a beautiful movie to look at too. Campion can like shoot the crap yeah, out of anything. It's such a good looking movie. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, I, I I completely agree with you there. Um, I, I look forward to your if you whenever you get around to the ending to see if if that helps you with the whole thing because I think there's um there's a there's a third layer with the boy of masculinity at play um, and how it affects both of the men um, is very interesting to me and and that ending has a lot to do with him and I, I so that's I'd be very curious to see if that uh, fixes your feelings like to a positive point or fixes them to a negative or if it makes it more complicated. I'm just, I'd be curious at this point. I saw intellectual about how you feel about this movie. <laughs> so I, I didn't see enough of anything last year to, to even have an opinion on who might win an Oscar, uh-huh. but I'm assuming you saw a good bit of it. Is this, I'm, is this going to be Cumberbatch's year? So is I have a very bad year of a movie watching. Um, yeah. so, so I I saw a lot. I ended up watching a lot of stuff, but I rewatched a lot of stuff. I didn't the the new stuff. I was the worst on. Um, but the I think he's definitely getting nominated. Um, I think that's definitely happening. Um, is it his year? Who knows? I think it could be Campion's year um, to to get uh, best picture. It's kind of everyone's been comparing the narrative to when she lost against Spielberg, I think to Schindler's List with the piano. Um, and so there, and now Spielberg will probably get nominated for West Side Story um, and she'll get nominated for this. And I think this might be her year for Best Picture. Um, but I don't know about Cumberbatch because I don't know because there's a lot of like Denzel's got Macbeth and there's like a couple other things out there that could be like the narrative behind the actor themselves could propel. Yeah. But I also haven't seen those things. So, like, I've heard Macbeth is really good, but it may be it's one of the Coens, not both of them, directing a black and white version of Macbeth, which is creepier than, by by all uh, accounts, creepier than normal Macbeth tellings. Um, and and so, like, I don't know, maybe that's uncomfortable and people don't want to, and people don't know how to find the movie on Apple TV or whatever. <laughs> and so, um, so there's things like that that, like, make it complicated from what I'm hearing and reading. But I would, this would be the year I'm the least, um, I have the least amount of expertise on what's going yeah. on. Um, by the end of January, though, 
check back in. I'll know because I'm I've got a whole plan for this month. We'll to do catch our up. Oscar special. And I would I'll be love like that. None of the Marvel movies are nominated. This is bullshit. It's <laughs> literally all I saw. <laughs> well, someone I did read someone going like, "Hey, with this much money and this like a, the weird in the box office, and it's like like maybe Spider Man sneaks in there with something because not acting wise, but maybe picture, maybe that populist picture vote because." People are responding so favorably to it, um, and it is this huge boon and savior uh, uh, for film uh, in the theaters right now, even though it could also be the actual murderer of independent film (laughs) in theaters uh, because it proves that the only thing people come to see are this. Um, And so – so it's a weird double-edged thing. So there's there's talk about depending on what the feelings are on the ground, what that could do as a surprise. But it's I doubt it. <laughs> I, doubt I, it. I yeah I I am not for the nomination of a uh, a comic book film if it's not worthy of like it's really got to hit across the board. And it uh, Spider Man was it was great. I loved it. Like I did have problems with it, but that that's whatever. I loved it. I had a good time both times. I cried. I laughed. I, it is that movie, but I don't think it's much of anything beyond that movie. Like I think it has to say something beyond the serialized storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it says a lot within that, like the Peter's growth and things like that. Like I think there's a lot that it's saying within the serialized storytelling, but is it saying anything else? And I, I don't really think that it is. Um, I don't even think it's telling me to grow up. I think it's or like to, saying something about anyone else growing up. Um, and yeah. I, I think Black Panther was probably of the Marvel movies the, the closest to mm-hmm. that for me. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And and I'm I'm honestly still shocked that it didn't make it in, um, or did it make it in? Did Black Panther get Best Picture nomination? Did it? Now I'm like thinking it did. Hold on, let me check. Um, well, I, I would say Spider-Man getting nominated for me is akin to when Avatar was nominated, and I I liked Avatar. I don't think it deserved any like beyond technical stuff. Like I don't I really don't even think it's a well directed movie. Like. In Black there. Panther was nominated just to answer that, um, but uh, for best picture, and I think that's justified. Um, mm-hmm. But I I agree with you. I think that Avatar. I think people people, especially old people, got. Let me. That's so terrible. There's a generational thing where people got <laughs> really wrapped up in that film um, because of how different it was. Um, but I guarantee you, all those people didn't grow up watching anime. They didn't grow up watching like the people who got really wrapped up and it didn't it there was something different and that movie struck a nerve and I can't I'm so fascinated to see what happens in December when those people are questioned about whether or not they come back to another one. I just can't see it. I cannot see it happening. Yeah. I, I'm, mm, so. um, anyway, what else is going on? Well, now you had stuff. You had prompts. We talked about Power of the Dog and Spider-Man. You had something to bring to me. Um, so, yeah, the question I posed to you was, who had the best short-lived acting career of all time? Meaning, like, I guess I should have put a number on it when I texted you, but, like, four or five films or less, only acted for a few years. Like, it, I mean, it was prompted by, like, me look, watching a movie and going, what happened to this person? Looking up and going, holy shit. Like, what a career in such a short time and then gone. 
so it's funny. I didn't, I took it in my Spencer way, a different way. I'm sorry. Um, but here's my answer uh, for my version of it is, is the person who had a huge impact with the least amount of impactful films. <laughs> like, like a, That works too. So I want to go with Christopher Reeve because okay. I, I know he worked a lot and for a long time. Um, but if you think about the movies that like went beyond the bubble of his career, he's got two Superman movies that did it. And then he's in, um, oh my gosh, I just lost the name of it. Um, it's the Anthony Hopkins movie. Where he's so remains of the day. Um, and he's got a couple other little ones, um, that, that pop, but he doesn't have like, some robust like 30 film well much everybody... like much like mark hamill like he falls out of favor at some point and he's in a lot but those are not those are i got a paycheck those are not yes art. and he has a couple little ones that are exceptions to that rule but they're kind of funky little things and um i but i think he has this He's he is even to this day. I still think Cavill has like a great Superman movie in him um, and a great Superman performance potential in him. But but he is Superman and and he really is like he just did something so miraculous with that role and just then got surrounded with so many problems with those sequels. Um, but those first two are so good and he's so good in them. And he's even good in the sequels to some degree and depending on what's around him um, and and he's so good and he's and he's an icon to this day um, decades after his passing um and and like his injury obviously ended his career uh, as an actor in a, in a huge way and then it, it's just it, there's so many things about him that make him this icon but if you think okay but what was he in and no matter who you ask if you say ask 10 different people you might get one or two like i might say remains of the day he's great and in this small part and other people i know there's the time travel movie with it's really good and and i've seen it and it's been a long time but i remember liking it um there's another one that's kind of a murder mystery thing that's in my mind as well um but there's like so you might have people pick something they saw on tbs at like 12 a.m on a thursday or something but like it's only a couple things so he he came to my mind immediately when you mentioned he had a pretty substantial career on stage though so yes um so you're counting like beyond screen then because i also went like fully just in front of my face no i was just only thinking and i worded it specifically so that like so that it wouldn't just be like oh only child actors so because that's (laughs) what i'm talking about but i didn't want it to just be limited to that so i wanted to like it started me thinking like who has and the person i'm going to talk about has not I would not consider them a good actor. It's just okay. like this kid in four films <laughs> worked with uh, so many. And I think he made like six total. So I'm so he was he worked with Warren Beatty, uh, Bill Murray. Um, just the Dick Tracy kid. Yes. Oh, I can picture him. Keep going. Charlie Corsmo, but yeah, so he does Dick Tracy, What About Bob, Hook, Can't Hardly Wait. Those are his big four. He was in a little movie called Men Don't Leave with uh, Jessica Lange and Kathy Bates. Dick Tracy, he works with Warren Beatty, Madonna, 
Al Pacino, and there's like a few other like. The doctor's pretty good with um with William Hurt. He's in that with William Hurt. Yeah, see, I never saw that. And but Mandy then, Patinkin's in that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, there you go. And then what about Bob Bill Murray, Richard Dreyfus, uh, uh-huh. direct directed by Frank Oz. I mean, and then Hook. Hook. I, I mean, I have a special place in my heart for Hook, but it's not a good movie, <laughs> you know. Sure. But it it's is Spielberg. Same, same, same. <laughs> you know. Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins. What the fuck, man? <laughs> this kid acted for like eight years and acted with the greatest people in our lifetime. That's crazy. What does he do TV or just do? Does he like go to TV or is he just done? He's he he may after can't hardly wait, which is like a, it's probably the most fun of those like weird ass teen 90s poppy movies he did one more movie called chained for life with literally nobody in it and then goes back to school he is the assistant professor of law and the u.s director of the canada u.s law institute good for him so but he just i mean he took his career he took his money and invest it in himself and seems like he's got a good position but i don't know why that fascinated me i was just like holy shit like how do you do this much with this many people and that short amount of time and then you're just like this is not my passion yeah i don't know i mean i don't know he's a very unique looking guy sometimes that's not helpful with hollywood yeah um, I mean, because like if I googled some current pictures, he still looks like that kid. So yeah, <laughs> just an older version. Um, I but and I don't think he was like a very he wasn't a great actor and certainly not impactful. But who the fuck else can say that like yeah no I acted for a little while. What'd you do? Oh, I worked with these people. What the hell, yeah. man? <laughs> Pretty I like good, your answer though. Chris pretty Curry. good childhood. I mean, Tommy McGuire could kind of be it. He had a little run and then he just stopped. <laughs> yeah. And God, man. Um, I and so I'm like walking out of Spider-Man. I told uh my niece, I said, that movie made me realize that I'd forgotten how good Andrew Garfield and Toby McGuire are. And um i'm apparently i'm not the only one like i made the mistake of going on twitter and looking at some stuff but i did see a lot of people especially andrew garfield people going like holy shit we apologize to andrew garfield (laughs) for well that's the thing is i think toby had two great movies Mm -hmm. and then the third one which is mixed at best but people did seem to like there's a lot of fondness for that movie still out in the world um but he he like has like a great legacy. Andrew and Emma were both so good, but wrapped in very complicatedly not great movies, and and that's the disservice. So you you wrap his performance up in the movie, right? And then you forget. And I definitely forgot. I definitely 
I remember as I'm like watching that going like, God, yeah, I really did like Andrew Garfield. I didn't like the skateboard thing, but that's the movie, not Andrew Garfield. And, and I love them together. Right. Um, but I didn't like the villains, but that's not Andrew Garfield. Like all the things I don't like about those movies are not, not Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> and, and so, and that's just, and, but Toby, I never, Toby, I think has his legacy and it was more than anything. I realized watching Toby that I missed seeing him do anything. Like I like him as an actor and he's got such a funky thing about him, a presence that like, I think he could be used, but he's probably really selective and smart, like not just like not working, but he's just smart not to waste his kind of uniqueness on things if he doesn't have to, you know? Yeah. Um, and cause he's not like, um, he is like a, a youth pastor or whatever the joke was, um, in the movie. Like he sort of has just like a wholesomeness vibe that can be played wrong. Um, if you don't know who you're working with and, and good for him doing what he wants to do, but I do miss him being on screen. Andrew Garfield's one of those guys though. He has a scene in this movie called never let me go. That'll just be as an all timer, like makes me ball. Oh just, my God. So, you know, the scene, do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. The first thing I wanted to do when I left Spider-Man was revisit that movie. And then I was just like, I do not think I'm in that place to revisit that movie. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it's hard to do, but it's so good. It's so yeah. good. Oh, he, he's. I I want to see tick tick boom, but I also know that I, I I don't know if this is spoilers. It's a true story. It's a true that story. movie yeah, does not. not end well. So yeah. I just I'm like I I really want to see it, but I don't know that I can can deal with that right now. So, um, you know, uh, yeah. Hopefully soon though. Hopefully soon. Have you seen it? No, it's uh, it's on my list to watch in January. Uh, Holy I really shit! I just, to. I just put, went to IMDb and put Tobey Maguire in, and you're right, this dude's last like big on-screen presence. Well, well, later day, right? Um, yeah, the spoils of Babylon, which I don't know what. Oh, that's that mockumentary, whatever mockumentary series. But yeah, Palm Sacrifice, yeah, yeah, 2014 plays Bobby Fisher. Yeah. So, and that's uh, not that wasn't even a huge like that wasn't a splash. Uh, Gatsby was probably his first big or his last big like splashing movie. Um, because yep, Labor Day, Labor Day was not the movie that everybody involved thought it would be. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, no, it's 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 wild, and he's so good. But I mean, I can't imagine how much money he has, and and he's part of that group of of kids or actors from that age that like Leo that they kind of they know what to do with their money. So I, I can only imagine his money prints money, yeah. and so he probably doesn't have to work. And he, I I can only imagine that whatever they paid him to do this was enough to be like, oh, I don't print that much money, <laughs> and and he, and he gave it his all. He could have just honestly, they both could have just slept walked through this, and they really that felt like they both just gave it their all and did so good. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's done enough, but he hasn't done a ton. But like from, uh, from Fear and Loathing on, like he, uh, Fear and Loathing, Pleasantville, Cider House Rules, Wonder Boys, and then Spider Man, and then Sea Biscuit, and then, which messed up his back. Yep. And then shortly after that, he just kind of, like seems either he just gets way more selective or 
but yeah, Jesus, he's so good, man. So he's the kind of guy who I wouldn't like. It, I think he could have gone to like the stage, like you're talking about Christopher Reeve, and you could find out that oh yeah, what you don't know is he's been he's been in like 40 plays since then, but he's it's not that either. He's just not doing that. Um, but he's great. I hope I hope he does more. I I really love the the fan fervor around the idea of doing another Garfield movie and letting him sort of have a chance to do his thing again because he that's the thing that's really come up is how like sad he is about how that all went for him and and like and how much he wished he could have had more time and had that third movie um and had a chance to do what he wanted to do with it but this i felt like they gave him that in a whole act of this movie and he just stole it from everybody and mm-hmm. i love that i can't even mean to talk about this movie again but he is so good all right, i'm i'm down for it um and I, I, so I, I went back and I, I was gonna try to rewatch the Amazing Spider-Man's, but I, <laughs> after trying to rewatch the second Matrix, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna try to revisit the movies that I remember being bad because it just made it worse. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is even worse than I remember. Um, so, but I was <laughs> looking them up and I was like, oh shit, I forgot that Mark Webb directed those movies. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a bad director. What happened? I mean, it's it really seems like a Sony thing. Sony. This is just the worst. <laughs> and I think at one point in time I would have been one of those guys like they do with Star Wars who like bring out the pitchfork and blame Kathleen Kennedy. I probably would have been one of those guys who's like, that's stupid, Amy Pascal. <laughs> but like no, like she kind of went away well, and like was like, well, this is what we should be doing <laughs> and made better movies. Well, I went. So it's funny you say that, but I was listening to Joanna Robinson talk about this movie and she read all of the Sony emails and she said, like, sorry if you think that's wrong, but I did. And there's an email that Amy Pascal sent that says, I own 90 characters and I have one hero and a bunch of villains and a couple of girlfriends. And that's all I've got. Like she couldn't, she couldn't figure it out. She couldn't like Spider-Verse, not because of her. Like, cause she just okay. couldn't figure out. I own all the Spider-Man. Like she can't get it. Like all of that comes directly from Feige saying like, you guys whiffed it again. I can do this. And, and one, another one of her emails is something along the lines of saying that Feige's the kind of guy who, as an executive producer, he had, was so – because he was an executive producer on the amazing movies. He had very, very little input. So he would basically just shut up. He just wouldn't say much because he couldn't make any real change. And so he would give suggestions and be like, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. And like they would just not listen to him. And then then when it came time for him to step up, he was like – I can fix this for you. Like you've got it. You've got a huge wealth of people and you don't know what you're doing with them. And, and a lot of this is just Feige doing the Feige fix it as Robinson calls it. And I love that. It's kind of like how he like retconned Thor, the dark world to be important. Um, and, and like, I think that I, I would say you would have been justified to have the pitchforks after her. Cause she knew Spider-Man was important, but she did not know what to do with him. And that's okay. the that's the mix, and and so she knew enough to tell Sony to keep Spider Man and not just full on sell it, right? But but she didn't know what to do with them, and a lot of like the skateboarding punk rock thing is comes from people like her and her, <laughs> um, and Feige fixed it, 
And okay. I think I honestly do think too that the the having all the big villains at the end of this movie to make it successful. Um, I agree with Robinson's assessment that that was probably Feige saying like, "Hey, because he was also an uh, an assistant or something on the original Spider Man trilogy." Right. Yeah. And so it was him looking at all of that, going, "I can do that. I can fix all this for you." And so, he just kind of proved his point. <laughs> that's I don't remember who I was talking to. But now I feel so justified in feeling this way. So I, uh, after uh, watching watching it for the first time, um, it may have been Tim that I was talking to. Um, I said, I feel like this movie, um, just because I know Feige's history, you know, he was uh, Laura Schuler Donner's like assistant, like basically yeah. walked her dogs and washed her cars. She comes on the X-Men movies as a producer or executive producer, she knows that he's into this shit. So she brings him in and he becomes a, a producer or associate mm-hmm. producer, something, something relatively small, but just like, Hey, you kind of know this stuff, like come in, you know, you, you earned your stripes. Marvel uh, sees his potential and brings him kind of in-house puts him somewhat in place in spider-man and nobody listens to nobody studio-wise listens to this dude meanwhile the folks at marvel are like well he seems to really understand what these characters are about what we are trying to do and how to translate the comic books because the whole time he's telling fox and sony if you just do the comics people will show up and they just keep telling him you can't do those stories like that you have to make them mass appeal and he's like no you just have to build it it's like it's literally filled of fucking dreams if you build it they will come so I, I think to double, <laughs> I think to double down on what you were saying. So something I, I hate to just spend a podcast quoting another podcast, but um, I think it's useful information, and I really recommend um, any episode. I mean, all, the Ringerverse is a great fun show with a lot of different podcasts on it. It's sort of like a catch-all podcast, though. There's like these group of guys called the Midnight Boys who do stuff, and then there's the House of R, which is Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin, and her episodes are great, and she always just drops nuggets about all of her it's information from all of her research and and interviews with feige and all these marvel people all over the years through vanity and a Fair. better life joanna robinson would be my girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> um but one of the things she talks about um is laura ziskin um who passed away in 2011 but how that she helped influence feige because she kept saying in the spider-man movies you have to make this a Spider-Man movie. Like every decision the studio would push back and say, we need to make it less like this. She would say, you cannot take your eye off the fact this is a Spider-Man movie. So you don't get the 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 same stuff you get in the amazing movies where it gets more about it's an IP movie. It's a sequel driver. It's a modern kids movie. That's why like 
home. That's why there's the skateboarding stuff and the amazing movies. Like she kept going, no, no, no. This is a Spider-Man Peter Parker comic book movie. And that's, and Raimi should be free to do that. Um, and, and so she tried really hard, but that's a lesson that Feige, the stuff that works in those movies, is all because Raimi goes, he goes whole hawk into all that stuff. And, and Feige learns those lessons from her. Yeah. And and he cites that uh, through her at times. Um, and and now, obviously, because she's passed, she doesn't get brought up as much. But I think that's very fascinating, only to further prove that you are correct in your assessment. Yeah, I, I think ultimately what I said to Tim was this felt very much like Kevin Feige going, I told you now you can all just kiss my ass. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, I think he also makes it so like any success they have, they're indebted to him, even if it's just um, karmically, you know. Uh, oh, what did you think about this special thanks to Avi Arad? I saw some people like shitting on that and I, I didn't like it. It's probably there's probably some requirement. I just the credit stuff is so weird and legal and things like that, that it's never as uh, sentimental as they appear to be. And so I fully believe there's some sort of contractual because they use villains for movies that he produced that this something had to happen. I, I you might be right. I do want to think I, it's somewhat sentimental. It was very like large, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time. That dude fought really hard to get that going. Like, he was yeah. instrumental. Like, I'm not saying he's Stan Lee or Sam Raimi or even Kevin Feige, but, like, he was pretty fucking instrumental in all of that. <laughs> so. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, You know, a Decent size special thanks I don't think was unwarranted. But like the film cast guys were like, he had to like threaten to break somebody's arms or something to so that it was so large, you know. I was like, eh, maybe. But like he did deserve it, you know. I think that I think that everybody who had a piece in all of that, I mean, I think Raimi should have had one too if it was all sentimental. Um, yeah. I, so I so I don't know I I, I don't I just don't think about it that sort of stuff the credits I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm like that's funny <laughs> about how any credits happen like I who gets was, the whip like, and who gets oh, the end yeah I was like oh that's that's nice they thanked Avi Arad like my my little brother is named after him because my dad is such a fan of those movies yeah so, um so yeah I I guess maybe it it just like them <laughs> shitting on it I was just like what. Like, but he was kind of important in starting all of this. So, yeah, no, um, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't have, I don't have any issue either direction. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, I did like it. I want to go back and see it again. Um. I've already pre-ordered it on Blu-ray. <laughs> oh my god! And you haven't seen Eternals yet, right? You're gonna watch it when it hits Disney Plus. Yeah, nine days, nine days. Okay. So, um, yeah, the, I do have sort of a plan to be able to 
get to the movies um, once a week. Katie and I came up with a whole game plan. Um, and so in the middle of the week, I'm going to start going. Wednesday is going to become my movie day. Um, and so Wednesday afternoons um, and uh, between a teamwork between me and Katie and my mother-in-law, Carol, you know, Carol, why did I say it like that? You know, Carol. Um, and, um, and so Wednesdays, but at this point, because I know that's coming on the 12th, I'm afraid that other things I want to see, like I really want to see Del Toro's new movie, Nightmare Alley. Um, yeah. And I think that's going to leave before then. And so I don't want to wait any more days. And so I'm going to probably see that Wednesday. So and then then by then, the next week, Eternals is at home. So I'm just going to see it at home. But at my big screen and stuff, I think I talked to you about it recently. Um, but I was watching the movie the green knight and there's like a camera like where it like rotates upside down and it gave me like motion sickness in my couch <laughs> so like i'm doing okay i don't feel terrible watching stuff at home and so i just i like more than anything i want to go to the theater um i, I fully support that i don't think you should spend money to watch the eternals and i that's not something i ever thought i'd say about a marvel movie so um i don't even know if you should watch it all in one chunk why it was so boring. I see. I'm afraid I'm going to like it being dumb and weird. <laughs> Doesn't that <laughs> sound it, like me? It's not dumb and weird. That's the problem. I wanted it to be weird. I wanted it to be not Guardians level like Zany, but I wanted it to be like literally them throwing like so much shit at the wall and just being like, look at all this crazy stuff. Kind of like the way Guardians does it, but only on a more intellectual level. And it does not yeah. do that at all. So, so here's my weird Eternals thought is that I really am excited to see Kumail in it. And I know he's not in a huge part of it or anything, but everyone has an action figure. Kumail has an action figure from like that Legends style series. Mm -hmm. I don't know what they call them. And I cannot find Kumail's in a store anywhere. Everyone else is absolutely there. Kumail's not there. It's on Amazon, but I'm like, I want to just buy it at the store when I find it. And because I want a Kumail action figure because that's who my who I am as a person. And and like and I'm not going to buy the hot toy. <laughs> so I, that I is um, that's a truer statement than you even realize. <laughs> Which thing? <laughs> that you are him. Like he is you. You are him. Like in this movie, like if I had to pick a character that if you were like, which one of those is most like me, it would be his character. Oh, I can't wait. I hope he makes dirty <laughs> jokes that are dumb. Um, it's so fucking spot on. Well, that makes me more excited. See, I actually pre-ordered the Blu-ray steelbook of that as well, but it doesn't come out until February because Disney's yeah. evil and makes you wait longer and makes you sign up for Disney Plus to watch their movies. Um, but I did it and I do it and Boba Fett's great. I'm watching Disney every week, whatever. They got my soul. Okay, yeah, we can. We got like what five, six more minutes. Let's end on mm -hmm. Boba Fett. Um, okay, did you get the I, picture I sent you? Yeah, it, when, when, did, when did the Twilights become hot? I had no idea. Um, I mean, because they all are in the show, like, yeah, well, I mean, but that's going back to Return of the Jedi, though. Well, so Jabba's dancer, she's a slave, and I always kind of like took it that way, like, I always was like. It's just not nice. And so it never really, I get it, but it never occurred to me that it would be a thing. Like, it that's never why you're did. a better person than me. <laughs> but like, but like, I'm watching the show going, oh no, this is a thing. And I did not realize this was a thing because this is clearly Robert Rodriguez having a ball. Yeah. Um, and oh my God, like, 
Jennifer Beals, man. Like, I've always found her so just gorgeous. But I was like, oh, my. Not taken away from her. She's a phenomenal actress, too. Um, but, yeah, then I see her as a Twi'lek. And I'm like, oh, my God. Is it Twi'lek or is it Twi'lek? I, I don't is know. Is it Twi'lek? Okay. If you don't know, I, I feel better. I'm like, have I been saying it wrong? I think they say Twi'lek in the Clone Wars. She's from Ryloth. Let's say that. So, yeah, the, the Rylothians. Um, anyway, okay. uh, I always said Twi'lek, and then I heard it pronounced Twi'lek, I think, in the Clone Wars, and okay. or in one of the things, and I was like, oh, shit, I've been saying it wrong this whole time. But maybe it's one of those things where some Just depends people, where you're from, how you say it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but, so... Jackman and I talked about it uh, And the episode will go up soon On the X-Wing files But I liked it I did not love it And I think I'm worried I'm a little worried What are you worried What are you worried about That I'm I'm not going to love this show Why (sighs) Um, And that's okay I'm just I'm now investigating well, now, so if it's just going to be them hanging out on Tatooine, I don't know that I'm going to like that. Like, I want to see. Did you watch the trailer? No, no, no. I did. I have. I only watched the first episode. I didn't watch any of the other okay. stuff. So okay. okay. Well, that's then. That's unfounded. Good. Um, no, no, no. Because I think no, 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 no. I think it like. Would have set the expectation of being on. I, I expect the show to be fully on Tatooine. Oh, okay. Um, but I feel well, good it, about it. It is found it. <laughs> so, um, so no, I, that's what I was going to say. Is I think it, I think maybe you're right. So I, your theory sounded like such a theory. I was like, I guess he didn't watch the trailer. That's why I asked. Yeah. Um, no, but, I, I didn't watch any of the. I, I know it's. I didn't go out of my way to avoid it. But I'm kind of adopting the like. I'm gonna see it it's for this stuff. I'm like, I didn't watch any of the Hawkeye stuff either. I was, I was like, I'm gonna watch this show. There's no reason for me to watch a trailer for this show. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know that I'm gonna love them being on Tatooine. I, you, we have years of podcasting somewhere about how much I love Ming Na Wen, and I did not enjoy her performance in this show. Interesting. So Interesting. I don't know that they know what to do with that character. She was very much a badass in The Mandalorian. She did not feel like a badass in this. She takes a lot of hits that I was just like, what? Like, no, she should be kicking these people's asses. So mm-hmm. it just it felt like a step back. And I really don't like the flashback stuff. I like it because they're having their cake and eating it too. They're prequilling and sequilling at the same time. I think that's what I don't like. <laughs> like I would I rather like have seen that all at once than have to keep going back to it. So yeah. it reminds me a lot of Arrow and years and years of flashing back to him being stranded on the island and just being like, Jesus, can we please be done with this? Like yeah. enough of the flashbacks. <laughs> huh. 
Well, we'll have to see. I, I enjoyed it. I don't think I loved it, but I enjoyed it a lot. I love the music a lot. Like, I really love the music. I think um, he outdid himself. I, I really enjoyed the Mandalorian score, but the Mandalorian score feels more like uh, uh, Ennio Morricone than uh-huh. actual Star Wars stuff, which is fine. Yeah. But this feels like a Star Wars score with, like, a taste of that Italian kind of Western feel. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I was, I was honestly shocked to see it's the same guy. No, I was too. Actually. I was like, who, who did the music this time? And then it was Gorenson. And I was like, no way. Yeah. I, I mean, he talked himself. So, yeah. um, it, immediately I was just like, I cannot wait for there to be either a Spotify, which there might already be, like a full season-long Spotify list of this music, so I can, like, write to it or something, or um, maybe some kind of limited vinyl release, because that would be awesome to have. But, yeah, the score was probably my second favorite part of the whole thing, outside of Jennifer Beals. So... Who was not in it enough? <laughs> I was like, "Fuck Boba Fett! <laughs> Let's get a show about her and whatever it is that she's doing here." I'm way more interested in that. Um, so they're actually, they're doing the music a little different, just to let you know. So Spotify, when Mandalorian comes out, they release an episode full like of music every week, typically. Yeah. Um, but it looks like Boba Fett's just released a single, but they'll do that. They'll put the singles out and then they'll put the whole episode and then they'll put the vinyl out after that's what they did with Mandalorian. So I, that, there's no way they don't do that because it's just all printing money for them. Why not? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to walk that back. I think my favorite part of the whole episode was actually the interaction with Boba Fett and the major domo of the governor or whatever it is. Uh-huh. That that was a lot of fun. I did really like that scene. I was on edge the whole time because I was like, he's going to kill this guy, right? Like he has to kill him. And then he didn't, but like the back and forth is really fun and him going like, I'm confused. And she said, yeah, he wants you to pay him. He's like, but I'm the crime Lord. Uh, uh-huh. I, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I thought it also fit into some of the Clone Wars stuff where he is this great bounty hunter, but it doesn't mean he's a great all things. Right, right. I really yeah. like that. And because I think there is some level of like if he stepped in and was Don Corleone on episode one, day one, I'd be like, that's that's not how it works. There's a whole Godfather 2 about that. What if they – okay, so here's my thing. I won't say anything about that's in the trailer because there's not much that you haven't seen that is in the trailer. But the vibe I got from the trailer is that they were doing the rise of the Godfather, basically, with Boba Fett. That's the vibe I got. And now I'm like, oh, my God, this is Godfather 2. That's why there's a split timeline. I'm like, okay. that's my thought on it. That's what they're doing. That's I'm calling it now. Rodriguez is doing Godfather 2 with Boba Fett. That's what's happening. It's funny because in Godfather 2, it's the complete reverse. Uh-huh. It's the uh, the flashback that I enjoy and the modern, the quote modern day stuff, I'm just like, oh Jesus, I, I don't care. <laughs> so he's doing a reverse gravity <laughs> Godfather 2 with Boba Fett. Or <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't care about the flashbacks. Can we get to the, the new stuff? 
So um, with Godfather 2, I was all about like, yeah, how did how did he get there? How did this happen? You know, I'm just like, oh, he crawled out of the, the thing, which Patton Oswalt told us a decade ago on Parks and Rec. Like, <laughs> OK, whatever. I don't care how we got out of the sand. The uh, uh, oh, shit. What's it called? The pit. The Sarlacc pit. Yeah, the Sarlacc pit. It took me a um, like the sand pit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I just, I don't know why I just didn't care. So I love that he got the oxygen from the stormtrooper though. I thought that was cool. <laughs> I did see a, uh, totally misleading headline or, or I don't even know if you could call it misleading, uh, just bad information before I watched the episode, I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a, like a post, like it said something akin to, uh, uh, an episode in Book of Boba Fett episode one uh, proves that uh, not even Mandalorians are a match for the Jawas. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, are we going to see some, like, violent Jawas? We saw bits and pieces of that in the Mandalorian. And, like, I was excited for it. And then that doesn't happen in the episode. And I was like, did they confuse Jawas and Sand People? Because they are not the same thing. I think they did. That's what that sounds like. So I, I, I do like between the Mandalorian and this, we've gotten into the culture of the Sand People and made them far more sympathetic characters than anybody could have ever imagined. Like now if I rewatch um, the prequels, I'm going to feel really, really bad when he kills those sand I think, people. I think there is some sort of like making up for sand people, the title. <laughs> like there's like they, they othered Middle Eastern people <laughs> in calling them sand you, people. You mean to tell me that George Lucas took some like alien characters and used them as like slang and metaphor for people that actually existed that wasn't really popular. Star Wars is totally fictional. It's not political at all. <laughs> oh, oh. Mom, can you make my waffles? I mean, you I know. Just, I just made fun of like a million people and I really, yeah. really enjoyed it a lot. That was really fun. Last Jedi rules. <laughs> what? I just told Jacob that you know what I rewatched the Last Jedi recently, and uh, which you you read that piece I wrote, um, and I do see a lot of the flaws now, but also it's still the best of those three movies. <laughs> so, oh, it's so it's one hundred percent is um, no question. What <laughs> what's really really funny is that all of the people that like ran George Lucas off. Like, I don't, I'm not making this claim, but it would be really funny if he was more like them than they ever realized. Because there's a uh -huh. lot of stuff in Star Wars that's just like, really, George? Really? You you, you don't think you should, like, rethink this? Well, it's like, like it's just such a different time and, and stuff. And, like, and I think that maybe some people knew better, but, like, it also makes sense to me some people didn't or didn't even make the connection. Of what's yeah. happen, and so to me, I'm, I I just like that. I don't when I watch 
how Boba Fett gets out of the Sarlacc pit. I am not satisfied by having that question answered. I don't care about having that question answered, truthfully. Um, it's fun to see the details of the answer. Like, I do like that he took the oxygen from the Stormtrooper. I think that's, like, a fun thing. And also kind of shows a Stormtrooper's breathing apparatus. Like, that's cool. Like, I like, that's fun to see. It's something I haven't seen technically before. And, and so that's fun. But when it comes to... Uh, what I do like when they flesh out the world of Star Wars is that every planet, every race, every creature, every species has some sort of story. And the fact that they're doing that with the Tusken Raiders is really fun for me. Like, I really love that, like, they have a society and they have ways they operate. They're not just randing bands of wild creatures who also yeah. have clothing and like technology and things that you've seen yeah, that, since that the original one movie. Dude looked badass, man. Oh yeah, totally. And there's like a, a, a structure to their society, and it may be that each tribe is different. Because I do have questions about the people who took Anakin's mom. I'm like, maybe they were just maybe they were not nice, a not nice tribe. Like, maybe, I'm not saying they all deserve what he did. I'm just saying like maybe they were bad. Maybe there are bad ones, and they contain a multitude, like all beings do, right? Even in like animal, the animal kingdom. The queen bee is the queen bee, but then there are other types of bees within the hive, and they all have their own things they do. And so I, I love – so I don't care about the answers that they give us in Star Wars. That's fine. If, if it's an intriguing way of – if the answers are intriguing, I'll enjoy that part of the enlightenment, but not getting the answer uh, like with the Stormtrooper helmet. But what I do love is the fleshing out of the beings, uh, and, and that's what they're doing with the Tusken Raiders. And that's, that's if we got to be on Tatooine, that's a cool bonus for me. I really like it. Yeah, I, I'll I'll agree with that. And to that end, I'm gonna do my best to stop just saying sand people and call them actually Tusken Raiders. That's probably fair. I probably you know should shouldn't do that. Do you know what though? Not until not until Mandalorian did that ever cross my mind. So to me, I'm like that. Star Wars is growth as well, and people just don't realize. Yeah, <laughs> some people. Uh, yeah, um, but I hope it. I hope it gets better. I don't think it was bad. It's just much like the prequels. It was years and decades of like Boba Fett still alive. Like, what's that story going to be? And I'm like, oh, this is how it started. It wasn't a ton of action, you know. I had that one scene towards the end that I just didn't think worked very well. I think we're going to get wild, though. It's Rodriguez. I think we're just building to something. That's what yeah. I think. I think the last two episodes are going to be like, I can't breathe. There's so much going on. It's so exciting all the time. Get my waffles, Mom. I, You know, it, it kills me that, <laughs> like, it sounds so bad. COVID has really fucked up my entertainment because I feel like in a non-COVID world, we would be getting these shows practically on top of each other, but because they can only film basically one at a time now to limit who's there at any point in time, we're getting these months long. I mean, cause we're not going to get Mandalorian season three until middle of next year or next year, middle of this year, maybe towards the end of this year. They've only so, just, they haven't been filming much. Yeah, they started been. in October. So it would be amazing if we got it in the summer, but I feel like we might be December. Yeah. Like this. And because we've got Kenobi and Andor as well. Yep. So Do we have one other one? 
it's this year or it's a bad batch too. I think maybe what I'm thinking. Yeah. Season two um, which fortunately is very, it's limited what COVID affects that show. Yeah. Cause it's animation. So and then um, the high Republic show, I think is the year after, I think we've got a while before whatever that's called the trader or the, it's like the something I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. I still can't get into the high Republic. Oh, because you're reading the comics, and that's it's it's weird how good the people who are writing those comics can be and are not being on those comics. Um, but the books are so good. Any chance that Kira is still alive in the world of Boba Fett in post? I really Return thought that Jedi. was going to be the. I was positive that was going to be the end. Yeah, I, I feel like spoilers. I guess for the comics, are you current on the comics at all? Not totally, no. Okay, you know they brought Crimson Dawn back into it, though. I did know that. I know she's coming back, like, or she is back, and it's like yes. a whole big thing. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. She's and she's trying to reestablish Crimson Dawn, but I do. Part of me feels like this is building up to like uh, some kind of finale for her character, which is unfortunate. I don't know. That. I th- it's just what I feel. I think they're bringing her towards Mandalorian and Boba Fett. I truly do. I, I hope so. I, I would love. But then to I'm see like, how do you do? You get what's her face? I mean, she's in the Disney camp. She's making a show for Marvel, so she's in for the shows. She because she's in yeah. uh, Secret Invasion. That's right. That's right. So, um, and you don't hear a lot about what she's doing. Nope. Is she? <laughs> She seems to have fallen into the Andrew Garfield camp of like, if you ask me, like she's not denying she's in anything. She's just like, no, 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 I'm not talking about it. No, (laughs) no, I'm not talking about it. So there's like a 14 minute video on YouTube of Andrew Garfield's denials of being in the Spider-Man movie. Just love it. I'll leave you with this because we do. I do need to run. Um, All right. The uh, I watched. We did watch Andrew Garfield in the eyes of Tammy Faye. He plays Jim Baker, and he's weirdly really good and really compelling. Like he's just very good, and he's but he's Jim Baker, and it's very it's fascinating. Chastain, Jessica Chastain is Tammy Baker, yeah. Tammy Faye Baker, and she's she's really good. But he is so immensely watchable in anything he does. And it's just another example of a very by the numbers biopic um, with some good performances, but he is so compelling. And I don't know, it's very fun. It's a good like $5 rental. I think it's free on some somewhere now. Well, that's going to annoy me if I missed the free watch by a week or two. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure it's on like Netflix or. Well, I rented it. So, so it's done now. Because it was, it's on my radar. So it's the kind of biopic that it's very easy to pass the time with. Um, like it just go, it just flows by. It's not going to change your mind on anything. It's not going to enlighten you in any big way. But he is really good. So more Andrew yeah. Garfield, please. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, for real. All right, man. Well, look, I'm gonna go, and um, I gotta get some food. My stomach has been growling halfway through this whole thing. Me too. <laughs> Well, this is fun. You have a good day. I'm, I'm uh, similarly available tomorrow, so let's test, text me tomorrow. Let's figure it out. Will do. Cool. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.